Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. So good to see all of you. Um, we're going to just jump right into our text today, so I would like to invite each and every one of you, if you have your Bible or if you have a Bible app, if you would go ahead and get that out. And we're going, where we're going to be at today, we're going to be in the first book of the Bible. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 12, and we're going to pick up in, in verse 1. And so you can join me with your Bible or your Bible app. You can also get out your worship guide and you can follow along and take notes if you want to, to do that. But um, I want to begin today by just kind of um, laying my cards on the table. I want to let you know in advance what my goal for today is, and it really has been for the last several weeks. But uh, my goal for this day specifically is I want us as a people to kind of prepare our hearts and prepare our minds for our annual impact mission Conference. That's my goal. That's my end goal for today. Um, our annual Missions Impact Conference is a, a time of year. Once a year, we set aside a, a weekend where we, as a church and all of our services, we, we focus on missions. Now, we're a missions-minded church, but this is a weekend we set aside just to think about, just to talk about and study world missions. And we have many of our missionaries, they're coming in, world partners coming back to town, be, to be here and to share with us what's going on in, in their area of the world. You see, the tendency is, I think, this is for everybody, it's, we're not unique, but the tendency is to just kind of uh, think about what God's doing where you're at, or maybe at your house, or, or your church, or among your, your friends, and so it's altogether helpful to set aside some time to let us see. I know we mentally know it, but, but we get to see really and hear the stories of what God is doing among the nations, that he is being glorified. And so my goal today is that um, during this service that we're going to prepare ourselves, prepare our hearts and our minds for the annual missions conference next week. And um, if you look once again on the back of your worship guide, you're going to see all the events we have planned. I hope you can be a part of some of that. But what we're going to do, and this is what I've thought about, this is what, we're going to pray, what I prayed about, what I want to do, the passage that I want us to study in order to prepare our hearts and our minds is the call of a man named Abram. Or later, it depends on where you're reading at, his name is changed to Abraham. But there's a call in Genesis that's placed upon him by the living God. Now, now, this guy, Abram, he's a pretty important guy. His name appears in the Bible 300 times. He's mentioned in all four Gospels. He's mentioned quite frequently by Jesus Christ. He's a prototype of a man of faith who is connected to God by faith. And so I think this. I think if we study his calling, 
which I believe is kind of a, a, a picture of the calling that's laid upon each and every one of us. But if we study this calling of Abraham, Abram, um, I think it is going to stir in us. I do. That's going to remind us. It's going to kind of prepare us for next week as we all come together to hear from our missionaries. And so the big truth that I think we're going to see today is this, that God calls us Christians to bless us and to make us a blessing to the nations. That's what I want us to see, that we are blessed to be a blessing. We're going to see that in his calling. So let's just get into it. Let's just walk through it. And you're going to see this truth over and over in this passage. Genesis 12, chapter 1, let's begin breaking down the calling of this man, Abram. The first thing that we're going to see, and once again, you can follow along in your outline, is God's great command. That's the first thing we're going to see. And once again, we know that God does not change. We recently talked about that. So if God operated this way in Abram's life, you might expect that he might operate the same way in our life. But let's just, verse 1, let's just break it down. Let's begin. Now, the Lord, and once again, that's Yahweh, his covenant name, said to Abram. We're going to stop there. We're going to take it slow. Because um, we need to talk about this. Anytime you're reading in the Word of God and you see where God speaks to a man, you need to pause and you need to, you need to, you need to examine it. I mean, what's going on? What's going on that the living God is physically, verbally manifesting himself in such a way that he's communicating to a person? Well, look at the first four words. First four words. Now the Lord said. All right, we're going to even we're going to push it even shorter. Now the Lord said. Um, this is important because it has been. If you're reading in Genesis, it has been 300 years since the living God has spoken to man. Prior to this, this event. Prior to this event, 300 years prior to this event, there was this little event that we call the flood. That was the last recorded time that God spoke to a person, the last time. So, so the, according to Scripture, the world has gone 300 years without hearing anything from the living God. That's a big deal. So when it says now, you're like, oh, this is important. Um, from time to time, I get someone in my office or someone, they're lovely people, but they'll come to my office and, and they're upset and they'll say something like, they'll say something, maybe this has been you, and I've been here too, so I'm not pointing fingers. They'll say something like this, say, man, Pastor Travis, um, I've been praying for something for a really long time, and the Lord isn't speaking to me at all. And, and, and they're just really, um, uh, you know, upset and emotional or whatever. And I'll say something like this, how long has it been that you've been praying for this specific thing? And their reply might be something like, well, I've been praying for about six weeks. I'm like, huh, I don't know if six weeks in God's time frame is a really long time, right? Like we live in a, in, in a world, we want everything now, 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 I want to now, now, now. If I talk to God, I want to now. God don't necessarily work that way. But in any event, we see here, it's been 300 years, right? 300 years. It's been 300 years since God has spoken. That's why we get this now, now. 300 years after God has spoken, Yahweh said, then what is it? Well, look, 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 the next two words, what does he do? Said to Abram. Okay, okay. Now, I want you to just follow my flow because this is the way I think. I'm like, 
God hasn't spoken for 300 years, and now he's speaking to this man named Abram. I got me, me, I got two questions. I got two, these are the two questions that come to my mind. First, who's this guy Abram, right? Like, like what's so special about him to what God got to say? Like, God, God, you've been quiet for 300 years. Why now? What is so important that you need to tell us now? Those were my two questions. I want to answer them. Actually, I did answer them. And so I want to share with you. Because I'm like, I'm going to find out. Well, what's so important about Abram? That's the first question. Why Abram? Here's what I'm thinking. If God shows up to talk to somebody, that somebody, probably a pretty holy somebody, Right? Like, I'm thinking, God, God not speaking for 300 years. God decides, I'm going to speak to somebody. I'm going to speak to somebody who's really holy, living in a godly city, doing godly things. That's what I think. That's what you think. I mean, logically. That's me. I'm flawed. That's what, what I'm, I'm thinking. Here's the deal, though. You read about this man, Abram, in the Bible. Get this. Before God speaks to him, He's not a good dude. He is not a good dude. He's not. Just like every one of us, if you're a Christian, prior to God speaking to you. And you can examine this guy, Abram, right? Like we know from the Bible. Abram, Abram, Abram he was this guy. He's living in, well, um, Babylon or, uh, well, Chaldees or whatever you want to call it, what, you know, that, that area. And it's a godless place. It's an evil place. That's okay. That's okay. There's godly people living in godless cities even today, right? There are. Maybe you'd think Abram or Abe is, he's this, Abram is this, this godly guy living in a godless city. But that's not the case. There might have been some godly people living in Ur, maybe. Abe's, Abram's not one of them. He's not one of them. Jot, you can write this down. I'm going to read this to you. This is what the Bible says about Abram and his, Abraham and his whole family prior to God showing up. Joshua 24.2. Check it out. And Joshua said to all the people, now this is way after the time of Abraham. Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. That's um, Babylon. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they, check this out, served other gods. Man, Abram, Abram and his whole family, they, they wor- they're worshiping false gods in a godless city. These are little demons. They don't believe in the one true God. They're pagans. They are sinners doing sinful things. They're committed to the wrong religion. They're committed to the wrong God. That's who they were prior to God showing up. That's who they were. Pause real quick. Think about this. Here's what I think. Some of you thinking this too. Hey, that sounds like my family, right? That sounds like my family. Like you come to my, maybe some, you come to my house at Thanksgiving, Christmas, this is my family. Wrong God, wrong religion. They're doing bad things, bad places. That's my people. That's my people. But I think what we need to see here is there's great hope. There's great hope for all of us because you see, you don't have to come from a family that got their theology all right for God to use you. 
You, you, don't, you don't have to know all the right things, act all the right ways for God to save you and use you. You see, here's, you see this in Abram's life. I think this is a story of every Christian here today, right? It be, the story begins something like this. Like, you, you're a total mess, man. You're a total mess. God shows up, gets a hold of you by grace, not by works. He gets a hold of you in your mess He does the work, he saves you, he indwells you, he transforms you, and that's Abraham. That's our man, Abraham, saved by grace. God shows up out of nowhere. God saves him, God saves him. God's, (laughs) oh man, God saved me in spite of me. That's that's wild stuff, man. Maybe you're there too, man, God saves. God, God, God don't need your permission to save you. God does what he wants to do. That's Abraham. Okay, okay, that's, okay so that's Abraham. Man, just, just a dude, he dude like me, like you, out there doing what he wants to do. God shows up. All right, cool, God, you do what you want to do. Okay, cool. Second question. Once these are my questions. What, what you going to say, God? All right. Why, why, God, why are you showing up after 300 years? What's so important that needs to be told right now? What you got, God? Why are you... Why are you interrupting this man's life? Look at the rest of verse 1. Here's what God says. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. We'll stop there. Have you noticed God's not a stickler, a stickler for the details? You probably know that in your own life, right? Man, God don't give you all the details. But what I want us to see here. God shows up out of nowhere to this guy, Abram. I want, notice what he doesn't say, right? He doesn't show up and say, hey, Abram, you're awesome. Good for you, Abraham. He doesn't show up and say, hey, Abraham, you're a winner, Abraham. Hey, Abraham, I want to teach you how to have your best life now. Hey, Abraham. This is your year. Just claim it. It's your destiny. You don't say why. You know, listen. You know why he don't say that stuff? Because that's not Bible. That's not Bible. The Bible not about Abraham. The Bible not about you. The Bible not about me. The Bible's about Jesus. Hey, let me say this real quick. You can quote me. Just make sure you quote me right. Okay, don't quote me. Look. Anytime. You hear a man from the pulpit telling you how awesome you are and how you're to have your best life now. This is your year. Name it, claim it. You're the best, coolest since sliced bread. Well, they won't say that. You you hear something like that. I would recommend politely just not be a part of that anymore. It's not Bible. It's not Bible. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. We're going to see that in a moment. Notice God shows up. Don't say any, you awesome, you awesome Abraham. No, he says, Abraham, and he gives a command. He gives a command. He says, go. Well, check this out. What I just read, let me just read it again. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Do you know that sounds a whole lot like the same command God gave me and you if you're a Christian when he saved you? It sounds just like the Great Commission, very similar. The Great Commission, 
Go, therefore, this is for us, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What did he tell Abraham? Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Very similar. Why? God don't change. God, man, God's passion back then, 5,000 years ago, however you want to date it, same passion he had 2,000 years ago. It's the same passion God has today. And once again, God's passion is not about making you famous. It's not about me getting as many followers or likes on social media as I can. That's not God's passion. That is not his passion. God's passion is his glory. God's passion is seeking and save the lost. That is what God has always been about. All the way back, Genesis 3.15, he said, man, I'm going to save. I'm going to save. And that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing then. That's what he's doing today. You know, what's God up to? God up to, I'll tell you, God up to saving people. That's what God's up to, all right? God shows up, he saves, and he says, go tell others. That's what he says. Real, real quick, um, he says, we can break it down. Go. Where do you go? God doesn't give details. He just says, go, leave your country. That's the Abram. Then he says, leave your kindred in your father's house. And so God says, you got to leave your mom and your dad and, and all the guys you hang out with. There might be a tendency to hear this and say something like this. Um, God, um, I, I like my country and I like my people. Um, wh- why... Why are you showing up and just telling me this stuff? It doesn't feel like great. It feels like it's more of a punishment, maybe. What I would say to all of us, and what the Bible says to all of us is this. Anytime God shows up and gives you a command or pushes anything on you, know that it's a promotion. Anytime God asks anything of you, it's always a promotion. There's always more joy to be found, all right? That's where we start. That's where we start. All right. First thing, the command. Go. Go. Where? I'll show you later. But trust me, I got you. All right. That's the command. Now I want us to see how God follows this up. We're going to see after the command, God gives a great promise. This is verses two and three. We'll see God's great promise. So God gives this command. Now he's going to give a staggering promise. Let's 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 let's, let's walk through it. Verse two. All right, and I will make. Now, I love that, because once again, just, just to say this, God's the one doing. God says, God says hey, I'm going to make I, I, I'm telling you to go. I want you to, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to take, I'm going to do it. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. Check it out. I will bless you and make your name great so that, oh, that's beautiful, you can circle that. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But so that you will be a blessing. That's a tremendous. We call this the Abrahamic promise. And there's a lot of things going on here. But God says, hey, Abram, I'm going to bless you, man. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of this. I will bless you. Now, here's the curious things. When God says all of this, what God is saying It doesn't match Abraham's current reality. It doesn't match his current situation. So when God's saying, I'm going to make you a great nation, it doesn't match what Abraham is currently seeing because Abraham at this time is currently 75 years old. He got no kids. 
and his wife, Sarah, is barren. So God shows up. God says, go here, do this, and I'm going, hey, I got you. I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'm going to bless you. And I don't know what Abram was thinking, but it sounds like maybe some crazy talk. Maybe you want to say, hey, God, maybe, maybe you don't see what I see. Maybe you don't understand my situation because his situation didn't match what God was saying. But once again, I'm going to say this. I believe this is how God operates still today. I believe God is asking Abram to believe him in the dark. You got to believe God not based upon your current situation, but based upon who God is, right? Well, maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you're, si- maybe you're sitting here or watching this or listening to this, and you're sitting there and you're saying, God's kind of impressed upon me to do something. God's kind of leading me to do this or that or whatever. But I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, I can't do that, God. I, 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 God, God, what you're telling me, what you're impressing upon me does not match my current situation. Maybe it's to volunteer here. Maybe it's to be in Kids Quest. Maybe it's to be a greeter. I, I, I don't know. But you're like, you don't know. You don't, God, clearly God, you don't know me. Because if you did know me, you'd not be saying this kind of stuff to me, right? I remember when um, the Lord called us, my wife and I, into, um, we were missionaries for nine years. Many of you know that. Some of you may not know that in East Africa. But God called us there, and man, dude, there are some curious things. God's like, we're going to be in Tanzania. Now, Tanzania, they speak a language called um, Swahili. I, I didn't even know that was a language, right? I don't even, I don't even know, man. And God's, God's like, you know, you're going to have to learn that language, Travis. I'm like, I'm still working on English, God, right? Like, 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 God, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. God, you don't understand my limitations. Like, I ain't got that kind of ability. Listen, guys, I honestly thought this. I did. I thought that it would be easier teaching 35 million Tanzanians to speak English than it would be to teach me to speak Swahili. What you going to do, man? God speaking, God speaking, God speaking, God speaking. That's how God rolls, man. And once again, you may be in a similar situation right now. I don't know. But I can tell you this. If God's saying volunteer, if God's saying tell your neighbor about Jesus, if God's saying, I don't know what he might be telling you to do. And you may be sitting there saying, man, I ain't got that. I ain't got that. God's saying, that's not the point. You actually, you ain't got nothing. God got it all. He's going to give it to you as you go in obedience. And that's Abraham right here, and that's what Abraham is doing. But what I want us to see, once again, the big picture here is, why is God blessing him? It's in the text, and I already told you that. Look, it's in the text. It's not to make Abram awesome. That's not the point. Look what it says, the very end, so that, circle that, circle that, so that God's doing God says, go, I'm going to bless you in this way so that, what? You will be a blessing, right? In other words, right? God saves him, God indwells him, God sends him, not that he might make much of himself, but that he might tell others about Jesus. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. 
I ain't got, now, if you're a Christian here and you're today, or you're watching this, or you're listening to this, I want to let you know that salvation that you enjoy, you didn't earn it. It was a gift. And it's not meant solely for your enjoyment. Yeah, enjoy it. Delight yourself in the living God. I tell you, I tell you, I pride, just do it. But that ain't all for you, man. That's not all for you. We are to tell others about Jesus. Verse 3, he keeps going. God says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in all the families of the earth, once again, look, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on here. We're not going to unpack everything in verse 3 because we've got to get to verse 4 and 5. But I do want you to notice it says, In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That is a reference to, that is foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. That is a picture of Christ because he is the ultimate seed of Abraham. He is the ultimate seed. He is the Messiah who saves. He is the only one, and that's what we're saying. He will, through the seed of Abraham, Christ will come, and he will be a blessing to all. Okay, so we got the command. Got the command. Once again, if you're a Christian, it's your command. Go. Go. Listen, go to the nations, yes. Go to your school, go to your work. Go to your gym, go to your store, go to where you get your hair cut, go, go, I don't know, wherever you go, as you are going, you got to tell, you got to tell, you got to tell, you got to tell. And God says, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Question, here's a question. How is he going to respond? How do we respond? Well, let's continue looking at verse 4, and I want us to see our great response. And um, that's a delightful passage. Check it out. Verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord, as Yahweh told him or commanded him. It's an imperative. Um, no hesitations? Like, listen, God shows up. I'm quite certain Abraham had some events on his calendar that day. Like, I am sure prior to God interrupting his day, he had some plans. I don't know what those plans were. God says, go. Abraham says, I, I'm going, man. I'm going. I'm going. He doesn't say, hey, God, Look, look, at my, look, at, look at my calendar. I got some plans. No, Abraham goes. No excuses. God speaks. Abraham obeys immediately. Verse 4. This old look, four, 4 and 5. I'm going to read this. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed Haran. Verse 5. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, so his nephew, all their possessions they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan when they came to the land of Canaan. Now, verse 5 ends there. It's, it's, it, it ends abruptly, and that's okay because we're not going to continue. Um, but Abraham, God interrupts his, him, saves him, sends him. And he goes, I don't know, 800 miles. We're not, listen, verse 4 and 5, we're not given a lot of details. But I want to talk about something. Once again, when I find something strange, I go and study and I've got to share it with you. Um, verse 5, verse 5, there's something that was peculiar to me. And I want to share this with you. Look at verse 5. I want to read it again. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions, possessions they had gathered. Now check this out. This is what's peculiar to me. And the people that they had acquired in Haran. 
Here's my question. Here my, we're going we're to study this because here's my question. What, what does that mean? Like, what, what does that mean? I don't know what it means. I was going to study this. So um, I read, reading can lead you in a lot of directions, but I discovered that there's actually some debate about what this means. Now, some people, the wrong people, I'll let you know in advance, the guys who got it wrong, I think, they say this is a reference to slaves. And I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know about all that because it doesn't even make sense. It's not even in the context. Why, why all of a sudden are we talking about slaves? It doesn't make sense. So I dug in a little deeper, and I want to sh- show you something because I think this has everything to do with what we're talking about and has everything to do with preparing our hearts for the missions conference. In that text, verse 5, there's two words, the word people and the word acquired. If you could, please circle them because I want to look at them. We're going to do a brief word study. First word, people. I think we even have a a slide here. Um, The Hebrew word for people, and it's there, is nafesh. All right, that's the Hebrew word. It doesn't matter what it means and what it looks like. But you can look at the ways it's been translated or the ways it is translated in the Bible. In the Bible, that word is translated 475 times by saying soul, S-O-U-L. 475 times. Wasn't translated people, it's translated soul, okay? Next, you can put soul, put S-O-U-L. Instead of people, put S-O-U-L. You can pencil, I don't care. Go, Go to this next word, acquired. Once again, the Hebrew word is asah. 653 times it is translated to make. Not acquire, but to make. All right, all right. Now now you take those definitions and you plug them in phonetically and, and, and how it's going. It could be translated, not the people they had acquired, but the souls they had made. That, my friend, is curious. Huh. So here's what I did. I went to look at other translations, different Bible translations. Did anyone else translate it that way? Sure enough, American Standard Version says it this way. The souls they had gotten in Haran. Curious. I've got a Bible called the Shocking Bible. It is a Bible that focuses on the Hebraic roots of, 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 of Hebrew. <laughs> and um, here's how they translate that passage. Persons whom they had made their own in Haran. Okay, I ran across this guy named Moshe Kasuto. He's a Bible scholar, rabbi. Here's how he translates it. The souls that they had won in Haran. I don't think we're talking about slaves here. I think we're talking about men and women whom Abram has told about the living God and whom God has saved. That's exa- that fits in context, does it not? Is that not what we got going on here? God done been saving, God sins, he starts telling, God saves those whom he tells. We're talking about new believers here. We're talking about new believers here. Abraham becomes the first evangelist, right? God, God invades his pagan life, God saves him. God don't say, you awesome. God says, I want you to go. I want you to tell people about Jesus. Abraham, 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 that dude, he's one, you know what he is? He's one of those guys who believes what God says. Crazy, right? Crazy. God says, go tell people about me. Abraham says, 
done deal, right? Done deal. He starts doing it. He tells those around. They get saved. They all go. And that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Church, man, it might happen in your life. I don't know. I've seen it over and over and over and over again in my life. I see, man, I seen men saved, God saved, God, God, God saved some, a good friend of mine, man, he was Muslim, Islam, God saved him. You know what he did after he got saved? Like immediately, he started telling people about Jesus. I'm sitting there, I'm going, dude, people trying to kill you. He goes, I know, I got it. I go, well, God does, <laughs> I don't know, man. But then he starts sharing the gospel. People start getting saved. We are blessed I ain't talking about money or comfort. We are blessed with salvation, and we are blessed so that we will bless others. All right? That's the call of Abram. I believe that's every Christian's call. Now, real quick, you may be here today, and you're going, ah, cool, man. And I understand how I'm to tell my neighbor maybe about Jesus, and I understand how I can tell my coworkers about Jesus, but how am I here where I live to bless the nations? Well, I've written a few things that you can do, and I've put them on your outline. I just want to go through them just this quickly, just, just real quickly. First, you can go on a short, short-term mission trip. You can go on a mission trip. Through our church here, we have dozens of mission trips. And if you want to go on one either this year or next year, you can do that. You can sign up. We'll train you. you we, got, we go to Indonesia, Peru, Guatemala, South Dakota, um, Eleuthera, that's the Bahamas. I've been four times. It's hard. It's, ha- it's hard. No, seriously, man, sand gets like in your shoes. No, let me tell you something, man. I've been there on four occasions and uh, to, to teach pastors. Some amazing men of God who are taking the gospel all over that whole region. They're the poor, man, there's some poor men, poor men. But all they want to teach me about the Bible so that I can tell others. But once again, go on a short-term mission trip. Another thing you can do is give sacrificially to missions. I'm going to say it this week. I'll say it next week. But our church gives about around around, a little more than a million dollars a year to mission causes. And that's from you. That's from us together corporately. Um, Every every time you give the offering, a, a portion of that goes to missions. The largest way we raise money for our missionaries is what we call the faith commitment offering and we're going to be making that pledge commitment among all of us next week and so we'll talk more about that next week or you can be praying about it what would God have you give over the coming over the coming year for missions next I put serving serve locally on missions Um, you know the truth is you don't have to actually leave this city to bless all the nations because we have Buddhists living here Islamic maybe co-workers or neighbors and here's what I say man get to know them get to be their friends um, I'm blessed um, man in many ways but uh, my family and I we're, we're real close to, to several um, um, Muslim families and they invite us over to their house we eat and just hang out with them but we well hey straight up we tell them about Jesus we do not hold that stuff back but um, get to know them spend time with them it's not hard to do um, you can also serve locally. We've got a lot of people we partner with. Finally, I would say this. Pray for missions and missionaries. Prayer is the engine of missions. Pray for the nations. Pray for the people groups. Pray for our missionaries. Pray that they would be effective. Pray for 
the nations. Now, those are just a few ideals. But I pray that you will do some of them or others as well. But all of us have been called, if you're a believer, to pray, to give, and to go. God has called us to bless the nations. We are blessed to bless. God's great command, go, go. That's all. What's his promise? I'll be with you. I got all the power. You may, not have all, you, may, you may not have all the details. God's got the details. He's got you. How do we respond? We obey. We, we just obey. We, we obey. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.